Hello and welcome to the Big Finish Podcast. those of you who heard the last podcast will remember uh, we're at Chicago TARDIS in the United States of America. I'm Nick Briggs. This is Jason Hay-Gallery. Gary. <laughs> it's become a sort of catchphrase. And uh, this is Sean. Jason. Sean Carlson, of course, who's famous for playing Narvin and Gary. And, and Chase Masterson. Nick? <laughs> Thank you, Chase. Now, at the end of the previous podcast, Fatina asked a very interesting question about the timing of the announcements of all our new Doctor Who stuff and that you found it frustrating. And overwhelming. And overwhelming. Yes. Did you have to have a lie down? Yes, I did. <laughs> okay. Jason? Well, do you know how difficult it is to keep a secret? Yes. Yeah. Now, my friend, uh, my friend, my lovely friend Sarah recently, um, uh, I knew she was pregnant when I walked in the door because I looked her in the eyes and I thought, you can't keep a secret like that. And she was like, I went, and she went, oh, I'm pregnant. I went, I know, I know. So trying to keep a secret is very, very difficult. Now, once we knew we'd recorded, we were going to get John Hurt in, and as soon as we recorded it, we knew we had to tell people. Because first of all, we wanted to tell people. Uh, secondly, we were going to explode if we didn't tell people. Um, and thirdly, it would get out, because we're, re we're recording with loads of actors, and there's no matter what you say, and you say to all the actors and everyone involved, and the writers and whatever, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Someone's going to tell their best mate and go, and it'll get out somehow. So it's better, once you know it's happening and it's really happening, to go ahead and do it. Same thing with um, Catherine and, and, and David, getting them back. Um, you know, I, I said to, to Nick, we'll wait until we've actually got them in the studio. Once they're in the studio, then we can do it properly because um, I wanted to do a video. And we discussed it with both uh, Catherine and David's agents and with them, and they were like, yeah, okay, let's do a video for you. And there's a lot more video to come. You've seen a little snippet, a little snippet, which has got well over half a million views now already. And probably by the time this podcast um, comes out, probably a million uh, on YouTube. And it's gone viral, and that's why we did it, because we need people to know this is happening. Um, and trying to keep secrets is very difficult. So when we had a lot of things happen at the same time, the, th the funny thing is that Catherine and David took a year to get into place mm -hmm. and uh, getting John Hurt back took about two weeks. <laughs> so, um, you know, it just so happened that that year and the two weeks coincided pretty much the same. So that's why you got two great big announcements very, very close together. And I would say the bottom line is, sort of summarising it, is because we weren't in control of it. And there was nothing we could do no. without risking spoiling the announcement. And also, we don't believe in cruelly holding information back just for the sake of thinking, <laughs> we know something <laughs> you don't. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> we don't take any notice of them. I mean, you know, all the theories people come up with, I, you know, we, we genuinely just want to keep everything as simple as possible. Yes. It's simpler to tell the truth, isn't it? You know? It's uh, exactly, exactly. Rather than thinking, oh, what shouldn't I tell you? What right. should, you know, it's much better just to say. Right. So, yes, uh, of course, it would, ideally, it would have been better to space it out, I suppose. But, 
you know, because of the availability of the actors and the rights and yeah, we just had to do it like that. So sorry about that. But it has it. But I think there'll be quite a gap now, if that's any consolation. <laughs> my, give my bank account a chance to recuperate, and then yes. <laughs> that seems fair enough. Do we have another question? Yes, we have several. I'll do one at a time. It's a tradition. I just, I guess, I wanted to mention that the last couple of box sets of uh, Jago and Lifewood I thought were probably the strongest of the whole series. And I really like the cliffhanger of the last box set and I'm looking forward to the events that follow very much so hope that's going to be exciting is it going to be exciting Jason yes of course it will be but um, I, I, said I knew you wanted to say something about this yeah I said yesterday actually I think it's one of our greatest achievement, achievements that we've managed to basically put together a series with two oxygenarians um, oxygenarians octogenarians 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 Oxy- that's when people breathe isn't it yeah, I don't know yeah. what that is I think it's a made up Octo- word oxygenarians Oxy- yeah. nitrogenarians with two people in their 80s um, that's better who uh, it's been a very long weekend isn't it yes, yes. yes. Uh, with two people in their 80s who star in their own series and who are wonderful I mean they're two very very good great distinct characters created by uh, Robert Holmes in the first place but what Trevor and Christopher have done with the characters and what the writers and directors have done for Christopher and Trevor is create something so wonderful that is it really should be on television it really should be um, it's sort of uh, it, it's wonderful we've done it. It's wonderful that it's sold so well that we're actually, season 10's come out and we've, I've already commissioned another couple of seasons. So, you know, it's going to continue. And um, I, I am completely blackmailed by Trevor on this because, bless him, he's not very well. And he does say, uh, if you cancel this series, I'll just go off and die. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I am completely blackmailed, but it is actually something we desperately want to do, keep on going with the series. Brilliant. So um, it will continue. Yeah, well, why ever not? Because yeah. they're brilliant. They're yes. brilliant. Yes. There's another question back there, wasn't there? I'm, I'm going to come around there if you just make way for me. Thank you very much. Hello. Hello. It's very difficult for me to choose an all-time favorite Big Finish release, but... Who asked you to? <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> lists are inevitable, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, I might be tempted to say Damaged Goods. That ad- ad- adaptation was just remarkable. Yeah, Damaged Goods. And I wanted to ask you about adult Doctor Who mm. generally. The fact that when Doctor Who went off the air in 1989, the Virgin New Adventure novels were more adult <laughs> in nature. What are your thoughts on going down that road of adapting those books and pursuing a more adult-friendly Doctor Who? Or do you want to keep it for kids? Hmm, that's an interesting one. I I don't... I used to... When we first started doing Big Finish, I did sort of... Because we'd all grown up loving Doctor Who and then we grew up more after it had stopped being on the television. So it was naturally a bit more adult. Mm -hmm. And then when Doctor Who came back on television, the... um, you know the guidelines have become more obvious and stringent and we have much more of a dialogue with the BBC about that uh, so it's changed you know they basically say make it uh, so that it's okay for a 14 year old to watch so it's not you know for kiddies it's for you know but some stuff that's for teenagers works for adults as well so yeah, when I say watch, I should have said listen. Sorry, I've gone, gone completely crazy. Yes. Well, on the complete flip side of that, uh, again, also going back to Jago and Lightfoot, uh, 
I had heard the original first audio that when you brought these creatures in, which was uh, one of the Companion Chronicles, but in Jango and Lightfoot, they solidified them, and I love them, and I would like to know, when are the Scorchies coming back? <laughs> well, there's no plan. Say why you don't do them often. Uh, yeah, the Scorchies. Uh, have you heard of the Scorchies? No. I have not. Oh. Well, the Scorchies, they're sort of weird alien puppets, aren't they? Yeah. Who turn that sing and turn everything into a musical? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, they're a great concept and they are well loved, but obviously, technically, it, they do take longer to record because there's music. Yeah, we have so, to put so, an extra day in the studio yeah, to get all totally. that. Yeah, totally. But um, funnily enough, Sarah, who I mentioned earlier, who is pregnant, um, she'll love being mentioned here. She's won the Scorchies. So ah. there we go. Pregnant Scorchy, eh? Yeah. <laughs> God knows yeah. what's going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on. Hello, there's a question here from a nice person. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you guys doing the conventions and being here. And a lot of us here watched the new episode, Heaven Sent, last night that they showed in a room here. Have you ever thought about at conventions doing like a premiere of a new audio release? You mean performing it live? <laughs> no, but like uh, playing it for a room, playing a new audio that's just coming out so that we as fans could all together listen to a new Big Finish release. I don't, I mean, if you were to play, uh, some people complain that the audio of the episode in the main hall was a little bit. Uh, not good enough you know they said for an episode that you're meant to be listening to what everyone's saying and I can't imagine that it would be acoustically ideal to play an episode in a big hall really you'd all need separate headphones and then that might negate the whole experience of you all being together if you're sitting on headphones we could sort of beam special individual messages to you (laughs) the person next to you is an autop but um, yeah I, can't, I, I must say, there was a, a fan group in the UK contacted me and said, is it all right for us to play um, Big Finish audios at our local meetings? You know, and I said, well, well how, how much do you want to play? And they said, well, you know, all two hours. I, well, you're all going to sit in silence for two hours. <laughs> so I don't know. It seems odd. I would like us to do a little performance of something. I mean, just at the Doctor Who Festival for the BBC the other weekend, we did sort of uh, a live performance of a scene from the David Tennant uh, releases, but obviously not with David Tennant and Catherine Tate, but with other people doing the voices. And that was quite fun. Then we got people up to take part and play the parts. And we also played in sound effects live and, you know, had people doing footsteps and putting plates down and me playing in sound effects. Yeah, so I'd prefer that. Any thoughts on performing or playing audios live to an audience? I'd I'd love to do a bit of Gallifrey live. I I mean, just as you were saying that. (laughs) And the the idea of being on stage with, with Louise and Lala God, Miles, you know, that'd be fantastic. What about a bit of Vienna live? I would love it, absolutely. I mean, I I think the live theater is where we all came from, right? I mean, we've mostly been theater trained, and I think just the, well, the aliveness of it all, just, you know, the the, the mess ups, the the fun of the spontaneity would be wonderful to bring to you. Hmm. (laughs) It might be difficult with Doctor Who, Really, because of licensing issues. But we could do potentially something else. We could do a big finish live, something. What? Like Vienna. We could. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There you are. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) 
actually, we were able to do it at the Doctor Who Festival because it was the BBC's idea for us to do it. There was a question around here. Oh, there you go. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, now that you have such a great relationship with the uh, uh, the new Doctor Who team and everything, how much, you know, or if there is any, like, collaboration of ideas or monsters or stories or anything back and forth with the uh, the new team and you guys? There, yeah, there is a little bit of dialogue. I don't. Uh, I think there are. Um, there were some things in the War Doctor, for example, where the person approving it said, um, "Oh, maybe you'd like to add that in because that will link it to the Day of the Doctor more, and and things like that." But you know, we we have a good dialogue with them. I don't think they ever suggest, "Oh, you should do this story," or you know, maybe this will link in with something we do. They're doing. They no, it's mainly to do with us presenting our ideas and then making sure that it's not the same idea they've just had, you know. Um, but no, it doesn't go the other way. Stephen Moffat doesn't say to me, I'm thinking of writing this. You know, what do you think, Nick? You know, <laughs> that doesn't happen, even though he's extremely supportive. You know, he was really nice about uh, The War Doctor. He wrote to me to tell me that Only the Monstrous was a wonderful title. And also I had a little plot um, problem that, I was worried about and so I, I emailed him the details of it and said what do you think of this is this going too far and he got back to me and said no it's not I think it's just right well it's, this sounds like a fantastic story and make that put it on the poster he said you know make that what your story's about I can't reveal to you what the story element is because it was spoiled the story but he's incredibly supportive like that hello hello the first war doctor box set is coming out in December correct when in December? Uh, uh, the 14th of December. That's the plan. That's, you know, we're loath to announce dates for, for releases because things go wrong at the last minute. So, you know, we always used to say at the end of the month, but our new general mangler or manager, as she's more technically known, uh, Sue Cowley, is very keen on there being a more regular release structure. And, and frankly, it means that because she's doing that job, it means that a person is now concentrating specifically on that element, whereas before there was no one doing that. I was waiting on pins and needles for Torchwood and Doom Coalition mm -hmm. in October. Yeah. Just pins and needles. Sorry. <laughs> it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> Have you got pins in that hat to keep it on? No, ma'am. No. Oh, okay. Do you say no, ma'am? I started to. <laughs> it's just terrifying. I know. It's this dress I'm wearing. Is that so, why? I know. Yeah. It's the dress you're wearing. Is that why Shall you wear the beard, though? Because, yes, thank you. People I would are. like it back. Yes, thank you. People are always mistaking me for a woman, aren't they? I am it's so sorry. <laughs> it's the beard. <laughs> are there any women here? <laughs> right. There was another question somewhere. Oh, hello. How do you source your authors, and how has that changed since you started until now? Has there been a shift of who's begging who? Um, <laughs> or just generally, how do you source your stories? I'm pausing and stroking my beard. Your womanly beard? My womanly beard, <laughs> yes. Um, well, while I think about that, let's uh, just have some music. Um... We have a team of writers who we know and trust, um, and uh, we ask them, but we also, you know, new people do come our way occasionally, usually through other connections. You know, that one of the questions I'm asked, we're all asked, mm. is do we accept um, uh, unsolicited pitches? And we say no, because there's, you know, potential for uh, 
legal problems. Mm -hmm. we, on one occasion, someone sent something to me. I've said this story before. Sorry if you've heard it. Um, and uh, I didn't read it. I just left it in a drawer. And then we did a story. And they said, that was my story. And I said, well, I don't even know what your story was. Uh, and as it turned out, it was significantly different, but it had the same starting point, which was very significant, you know, so that's the kind of problem we get into. There was also someone who recently said that the BBC had copied their story um, because they had sent it unsolicited to us. And they said that we they thought that we had told the BBC. Well, A, we'd never read it. And B, we wouldn't. Why would we be telling Cardiff? <laughs> well, uh, oh, we've just received a story through the post. Thought you might like to know. <laughs> you know we're not going to do it, but maybe you want to. You know, it's just, do you see what I mean? So it's really difficult. So we will do another writer's opportunity where we give you, you know, five seconds to send in a story. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think last time the gap was about two weeks and we still got 2,000 entries, wow. didn't we? Yeah. Oh, my God. So. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, it nearly broke Alan Barnes, our script editor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because he did read them all and comment on all of them. And, you know, and out of it, we got uh, some, some good writers. We got, you know, Matt Fitton, for example, whose name you might uh, know. Yeah, Matt was, yeah. yeah. And he wrote the episode... And Matt wrote the episode of Survivors that was nominated for the BBC Audio Award. Wow. Yeah. No, Matt's a great writer. He does a lot for us. He does script editing as well, you know. So it the, does come true. It know, does. Dreams do come. And the, 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 the guy who sort of was voted top, well, nominated top out of that writer's um, opportunity was a guy called Rick Briggs. Which everyone thought well, was just me. I thought, well, if I was going to disguise my name, I'd do more than also one letter. <laughs> and I thought, I can't not say his script is the best just because he's got the same surname as me. Yes. Truly, well, I, not to change the subject at all, but a little known fact is that Brandon Braga and the famed Ron Moore were both brought to Star Trek by a fan writing contest. There you go. And they're like the two biggest names ever since Gene Roddenberry. Yeah, brilliant writers. Right, I'll just take a couple more questions. Hello, Trouble. So you've been talking, there's been a lot of talk about favorite episodes, and you've mentioned recent achievements like Django and Lightfoot. What do you consider the greatest achievement that Big Finished has done so far? Okay, what do you think? I don't know, I like all of it. <laughs> that might be my answer. <laughs> Anyone got any ideas what's the greatest achievement of Big Finish? Oh, don't put me on the spot. <laughs> I've got one. The yeah. downloads, being able to download. Yes. That was huge. Yes. That was huge. That was my idea. <laughs> Jason. I think it's um, creating companions that people love and who people would love to see in the TV show. So, you know, um, I've, uh, I've discussed uh, Maggie Stables, actually, and, and Evelyn. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've, I've discussed Maggie Stables more times since I've at this convention than any other time over the last couple of years um, because people have come up to say how sad it was that she's no longer with us and uh, how wonderful she was and how much they miss the fact we're not going to get any more Evelyn Smythe. No. And um, so, you know, bless her. She yes. made an impact. And uh, I think that if there's a legacy from Big Finish, it will be the fact that we created some fantastic companions um, who had great stories to tell. And, you know, as Russell T. Davis himself said, if there hadn't been a Charlie, there would never have been a Rose. So, there you go. yeah. 
Sean, Gary, Bernard, <laughs> what, what do you reckon? It, Big Finish's greatest achievement? I think, I, I, no, I, I think, <laughs> no, I think um, Big Finish can be rightly proud of everything that it's done. Um, I, I do, and, and I think um, bringing Tom back, I think that's an incredible <laughs> achievement. You know, Whoever thought that would happen, and, and not just that, but to get Tom and Lala back together as well, to have Tom and, and Romana together, it was wonderful. And of course, as you were saying earlier about this, this sudden new who um, thing that is now happening, whereby you know, you're doing Torchwood and the War Doctor, um, I just think it's terrific. And, and of course, the Tenth Doctor coming back with Donna. I think it's just exciting times and uh, something to be very proud of, and I'm very proud to be involved with that. Not the War Doctor and... Tenth Doctor, obviously, I'm not in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like a complaint, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, Chase. Well, start the time war. You did, yeah, yeah, apparently. Uh, who knows, eh? Who knows? <laughs> Hi. I think one of the greatest achievements, from what I understand that fans feel and that I also very much feel, being a fan, is carrying the torch in the dark years, you know, in the years yeah. when there was no Doctor Who. That did a huge amount to inspire fans to want the story to, to come back. And it also inspired a lot of very key writers that I know, people who write a lot of television are huge fans of your work from when you were the only Doctor Who being made. Wow, that's great. I... Oh, thank you. Uh, the, um, when I became executive producer, my, I had two main missions at the beginning. One was to get the download service working which was more of an uphill uh, <laughs> battle than we realized. Yes, let's just recreate iTunes. That's going to be easy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and my other secret mission was to get Tom Baker. That was, I didn't tell anyone about that, but I was determined to do that. And uh, I was really pleased that that finally happened through the efforts of many, many people. And me uh, eventually having incredibly surreal, very long email conversations with Tom Baker. <laughs> Quite remarkable emails I had from him, huge. All about him going out for a walk with his dog, and <laughs> with a local garage, and I don't know, <laughs> all sorts of incredible things. Um, I can't think, uh, I'd like to say that David Richardson is uh, <laughs> Big Finish's yes, finest achievement, you know. It's really the team of people, actually. And even though as we started off as a higgledy-piggledy hobby thing, and we still are that uh, to a certain extent, the fact that we are, you know, bit by bit getting our act together more and more, that's what I'm really proud of. And, um, yeah, there's still much work to be done. Mm. David is amazing. David Richardson is amazing, yes. Yeah. yeah. He makes it possible, <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's brilliant, brilliant. And when are we going to see him at a convention? Probably never. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He said, He's not he allowed to leave. <laughs> no, we've asked him. You know, he—he, he, uh, I think he's done with uh, uh, long journeys, because mm. when he was uh, uh, worked for magazines, he used to come to the states all the time oh, to really? do interviews, and I think he's—he's he's done with it. <laughs> Then we'll just go to him, right, guys? Yeah, come to Big Finish Day. He's there. You can just go up and talk to him. He's very chatty. Well, I know that may be over-egging it a bit. He's not that chatty, is he? He's a bit quiet. Isn't he's he? a bit quiet, yeah. He has quiet authority. Anyway, uh, does anyone want to add anything? Oh, yeah, come on. 
So I've heard that when there are more Third Doctor adventures, there will not be any more narration. Correct. Is there any plan with the early adventures to do the same thing of eliminating the narration and just having the actor of, such as Fraser Hines just perform both roles? Uh, no, no plans for that, but uh, I'll bear that in mind. Yeah, okay. Because actually for my early adventure one I wrote, the ISOS Network, that's now coming out in January, um, I actually put even more narration into it because I wanted it to sound like a, um, a target novelization come to life. <laughs> but yeah, th there will be no more narration with the third Doctor. We put that in as a safeguard for people who didn't, you've, you've heard all the reasoning. And, and the funny thing is, for people who might not be able to accept someone else playing the third Doctor, and the funny thing is, the universal comment, even in Doctor Who magazine, was, get rid of the narration, you know, we don't need that, it's fine. So we will certainly take that advice. We didn't really want to put it in in the first place, actually. Well, someone might cynically say we did it really badly so everyone would hate it and then we could take it out. That's not what happened. We did do our best, but uh, anyway. Okay, um, did you, were you, Russell, were you going to say something? Yeah. Said, this guy works for Big Finish. <laughs> there was a comment over in the, uh, the Paul McCann panel and the question was posed that if he could uh, work with any companion in the Hooniverse, uh, who would he want to work with? And he said that he would love to work with Sophie Aldred. Yeah, I, I heard him saying he was a real Ace fan because he thought she was a skinhead girl. <laughs> anyway, that's, uh, <clears throat> that was a very weird interview. But yeah, that's right. Well, well, I was th my mind started whirring the moment I heard that. I thought, well, let's let's think about that. That would be that'd be an interesting one. Just imagine. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's it. That's all we have time for on this podcast because I'm too tired of wearing these headphones in this strange fashion. Thank you all for being brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. It's goodbye from us. Goodbye. Bye.